and ride with me in my foul life. Podcast audience, how are we? What's going on? It's the Bandit Hour, brought to you by the Bandit family of brands, Bandit, Avery Outdoors, ASD, Avery Sporting Dog, Greenhead Gear. We're proud of the brands, innovative, cutting edge, the design, the customer service, the selection, the portfolio, Banded is such a great brand. And uh, I can't say enough about my co-hosts, Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard. They're the catalyst, the battery of the design part of Banded and what's pushed us to be at the top of the waterfowl world, soon to be turkey and deer. It's the Bandit Hour. We're going to talk more today about the waders, the design, the technology, arc welded technology, everything that goes in to bringing these products to market. I couldn't be more proud. I'm fascinated with the brand. I hope y'all are too. We just want to continue the Bandit Hour to show the roots, the history, the story, the culture, and all of the ins and outs of what has made Banded the number one waterfowl apparel and accessory brand in the country. You can find them at mom and pop independent retailers all over the country, big box stores online. Contact us info at bandedbrands.com If you have any questions, but this is the banded hour again, brought to you by the banded family of brands, banded Avery outdoors, Avery sporting dog, Greenhead gear. We're fired up. Christian Curtis, Eric Larsgaard, myself, Chad Belding. Thank y'all so much for being here. We will bring you more and more of the banded hour as the season matures. We're excited for it. Thank y'all so much. Enjoy. Hey, real quick, Christian, I'm looking at your background. Um, duck call galore. Is this the same duck call that you've been building for years with that? that has the tree on it yeah tree call for okay the, speaking uh, for the mexican tree duck it's mexican tree duck. <laughs> it's got a tree it's got an oak engraved on it correct yeah now i want you to answer me honestly christian curtis like and i bragged about you i have a picture of us on a wall from tyndall's from 2002 maybe i think you even got a little upset with me that day because i was so excited because i'd never seen mallard ducks like that is that the one on your nightstand yeah, it was on my night. I have it on my ceiling now. I got a okay. big one, a big one. What year and, uh, was that? I think it was like oh two or oh three. You and I were down guiding some sportsman's warehouse guys at Tyndall's. Oh, I remember. For I had that golden retriever. I remember yeah. those. And and um, but we we just looked so happy yeah. with ducks everywhere. And I know that I know that I was overzealous because I was new to the game and I never seen mallard ducks like that. And I was part of Avery and. Um, do you still love it like that christian curtis do you still get that feeling of 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 just like pure adrenaline and pure anticipation like a kid everybody always says a kid at the candy store a kid on christmas eve do you still i know you're not as mad at him i would assume but do you still love chasing mallard ducks and i I, i'm i'm speaking specifically of probably somewhere in the in that part of the country southeast missouri arkansas the delta somewhere down there Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I do. It, but like you said, I'm not as mad at him. I don't think anybody, any of us are. I think the biggest difference is when it when it's uh, man, sunny and pretty and and windy and cold. Man, I'm it's heaven. But on those days where when like when that picture was taken, I don't even know how old we were. That's twenty years ago, maybe somewhere around there. I was like that 
every day, no matter, I didn't even look at the weather, but now it's kind of more like, uh, it's going to be 58 light and variable and cloudy. Yeah. I think I'm going to either go deer hunting or sleep in today. <laughs> kind of hedge my bets. So you, well, I, yeah, think, you I think also, I, I don't never do as much duck hunting, waterfall hunting as you guys do. But I mean, the one thing that I've noticed the older I get is that to me is not the killing aspect is left or the success rate is that, that, that huge part of it that you thought was so important. It's more about the camaraderie now and just, just hanging out with good buddies and fellowship or whatever. And, and if you're successful, man, that's freaking awesome. But I'm a fair weather hunter when it comes to that too. I, <laughs> well, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Eric Larsgaard, you came in <clears throat> on that one. We got Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard back right here at the bandit hour. I, I remember the first time I ever met Eric Larsgaard was when I became a quote unquote official pro staffer back in 2000 or 2001. And my first event was in Oregon at a boat show. Eric's <laughs> going to start smiling because he already knows that story. We're not even going to get into that story. Eric Larsgaard. <laughs> no, um, no. I got it on video. <laughs> do you still have it? Oh gosh. Um, but you were the same as Christian Curtis just alluded himself as and described himself as as every day. I remember the I remember the way you would dress. I would remember the way you would shake hands, the way you would get so fired up at these events, consumer events, retail events. You were you were doing the team waterfowl, you were doing sportsman's warehouse, cabela's, you were you were all over the place, shaking hands, introducing product. Um, and this started back in the days before Bandit. And then it continued into 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, and then Bandit starts to gain momentum and you're doing the same stuff. Do you miss that part of the industry, Eric Larsgaard? Because I feel there's not as much of that anymore. Do you wish there was that hands-on? We just um, <clears throat> before this we we mentioned game fair which i want to get into do you wish those retail events came back have they been killed by the internet what's going on because i used to love seeing you in your natural environment of of, of making of growing brands through those type of events yeah that's a great question i mean and and, and reminiscing on those days it was fun i mean we started out with you know avery and all the team waterfall and uh sporting dog and team water dog events and we traveled all i mean you were Shoot, you were at most of them with us um, as we traveled around to all the stores and um, put those big events on. You had thousands and thousands of customers coming up there, and it was exciting. I mean, they a is exciting because they wanted your brand, they want to talk to, but more or less, it's always prior to the season, so everyone's fired up about the season itself. Um, they want to tell their stories, they want to tell their hunting stories. They want they they couldn't, you know, they couldn't pin you down fast enough. It's the same guys. You got to come back and repeat and see every single year, no matter where you're at. You keep seeing them year after year, same customers, and you kind of became friends with them. So I do miss it. Um, as far as the retail aspect of it, yeah, it's it's kind of gone away. There's still a couple that are still really good. You got Max that has a strong one still. You have Rogers that has a strong one still. Game Fair, you know, I you know the Cabela's Bass Pro ones. I don't know if they're still going on or have any kind of strong point on a bunch anymore. But we have a few few key retailers that still do them a little bit, but. You know that. Even that the way, or yeah, the hundred pro staffers is gone. They the, still do them, but they're different. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's and, and it is. It's just it's just everyone's kind of changed and you know just changed around and stuff. But I did I do miss it. It, it was a it was a lot of fun. Um, I think uh, the internet has taken away some of that stuff. I think retailers have just you know tightened up ship a little bit and had you know you know things just run a little differently now and and whatnot. But um, Oh, it's uh, it's a different, just like everything in the retail world. It's all a little different, but it was fun at the time. We could, be, 
we could be hypersensitive to, but it, I agree they have changed, but we're also coming off of this is the first go around since the pandemic, right? Good point. So we, we could be hypersensitive to the fact that we ain't we haven't been out in two years. You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see, but it, they they have changed for sure. But go back to even do you remember when the uh, Memphis DU Festival first started? Heck remember yeah. that deal? I don't even what year was that, man? I can't. Oh shoot! Late I'm gonna 90s, say oh, right? I'm gonna say nine. I, I I blew in the contest in '99, and I think that that was like the first or second year of it. Okay, so you and it ended in 2002. Because that was when I worked at Avery in 2001, and 2002 was the, I believe that was the year it ended. Okay. So you remember the first year, it was like, whew. I mean, you couldn't, it was just people, a mass of people. Same year, same thing. Third year started going down. And then whatever, by the time it ended, it was barely attended. Mm-hmm. What happened? I don't know if people just get, it's not new anymore. I, I don't know. If, it's kind of it's kind of the way a lot of the like even the events the the well attended events like Eric was saying now they're still well attended but if you were to put on uh, uh, advertise a seminar remember like we used to do you want to be one person in there yeah versus when we have a hundred people showing up for a seminar no matter who it was sitting there doing a, doing a half hour how to set a spread or goose call or whatever it might be. You got two people that'll maybe show up for that person. That's it. Is that because the is that because information is so readily available? I think that that's changed a little bit. Anybody can jump on online and learn way quicker. You know, before you had DVDs and CDs and tapes and stuff like that that people would learn. You know, goose talk and whatnot that we have. We've all had we all three of us have owned tapes and videos and on all that kind of stuff, right? We've been through that era where these kids don't, man, they don't even know what a VHS tape is. So. Do you, do you feel that I want to, I want to word this the right way. Is there any credibility in the marketplace anymore, Christian Curtis, as far as the, the, the ideology of instant credibility on these social media platforms? I'm an influencer. Get 10% off of your next banded purchase by using my code. Is there any questioning on these companies going in to, well, do you know how to, load that handgun do you know how to put that handgun in that holster do you know how to use these products that you're actually out there um you know saying that you're a credible mat you know like a, a legitimate ambassador of or you've you you have credibility behind the product because i think what eric's talking about when you would go to these seminars back in the day and you would sit there and listen to people they were the people that were deemed credible they were mm-hmm. on DUTV. they had their dvd series they were winning contests they were they were doing things in the marketplace and the space that now it seems like you could have a thousand followers and get 400 likes on a picture and boom, you're an influencer or you're an expert. Is that fair to say that there's just too many experts out there today? I, I don't know if there's too many. I mean, if they're, I, I don't know if they're, is there such thing as too many experts? Are you, you saying use an expert term loosely or if there's truly, if you're truly yeah, an expert, there's, there's no, there's nothing wrong with being everybody being an expert if they're truly an expert. But you're saying people hold themselves out as experts. Okay, yeah, I worded it wrong. You're exactly right. Man, I, I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> we were talking about earlier about marketing. Man, that goes into the the 
same conversation. I don't understand it. I don't understand. It's like people, I don't know what, what hits them and they just will gravitate to something and, and latch onto it and follow it without, in my opinion, thinking critically sometimes about all that. If it sounds too good to be true, it is, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, all I know about social media is I don't have any of it, and my life is so much better without it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've got zero, Chad. Oh, I wish I could say the same thing. I, oh, I wish. Eric, do you have zero too? No, I have I have a little bit, but I've never been sucked into it type deal. I've never gone down that wormhole and just you see someone comment and stuff like that, but I never was that I'm too I'm too opinionated as it is, everyone would say. So it's not a good place for me to be. So I've been strong enough to stay out of that. So um, I would never catch you scrolling, Eric Larsgaard. I would never oh, see oh, you. Oh no, don't, don't don't get me wrong. I'll I'll go through Facebook and I'll go through, you know, Twitter he scrolls and he does his comment. Do you scroll Christian Curtis even though you're not on there with an no, account? No, Do you, no. you know, no, he don't either. even have those apps on his phone. I don't God, have that's smart. That is so I, smart. I, I, man, I couldn't. You know, didn't we talk about the last podcast? Do you take stuff personal? That was part of the topic, remember? And man, yeah. I told you I did. And I literally would come across something on Facebook. Oh, not, not necessarily Facebook because I got rid of it first. But come across something on I, I said, I'm going to get rid of Facebook. Instagram is just pictures, you know, it's, it's more, it doesn't bother, it won't bother me much. Man, I, I would come across something and it would eat me up so bad. He would call me and I'd have to talk him off. Of, I mean, him off. Eat me up. And, and I would, I would get mad at Eric because he wasn't as shook up about it as I was talking about, you know, what negatively about our company or our products or whatever. I just, I couldn't deal with it. So now you're more of bandit has a social media platform. Avery does Avery greenhead gear. You know, it's there, you know, it's being handled by the marketing team, but it's better for your psyche and your creative uh, edge to know it's there, but to stay off of it. I've even heard musical acts that we all know on this podcast say they had to get rid of their social media for eight to 10 months at a time because this guy's getting a record deal. This girl's got a tour. She's opening for him. This And they're seeing it. They're in everybody else's business. So what you're saying, Christian Curtis, is that you stay in your lane now, and it keeps you, your eye on the prize. It keeps your Clydesdale blinders on. You're not yeah. ignorant to what's going on around you. You, oh. just don't need to, you just don't need to be spoon-fed with it every day. Oh. And, and I trust <laughs> our team enough that if it's something that we need to know about, and they do, if something like something's happening, hey, you you know, Doc will send me something or, or Beck or Piles or Eric. Hey, you know, this, this, you need to check this out. Yeah. And if it's, you know, man, I don't, I don't want to say 90% of the crap on, on there is not legitimate. Yeah. That's it. There's, there's too, there's too, there's too many soapbox standards. I mean, one person's yelling way louder than the other person that thinks he knows whatever. And they're usually, you, there's not enough praise on there is what I get. It's all negativity. The people that talk and do the most is all they're bitching about something. They're complaining about something, doing whatever. There's no, there's no helpfulness in, in it. It, it seems like. And um, so for, you kind of asked the question, do we, 
as we develop products or design stuff, do we look at that? No, or see what our competition is doing. No, we, we stay in touch with it through our team, which is in touch with everything. Our biggest asset to us is, you know, our retailers and talking to the customers and us working shows still, we still work our shows. We still go to do small shows, whether it be, you know, not, not the big waterfall classes, but I mean, I spent, you know, um, the, uh, what it was one, two, three, four, five, five days at game fair. Cause it goes out just the weekends working at game fair and listening to customers. That's what you, you get a lot of feedback from that kind of stuff and, and good feedback on stuff and just listening to them. Um, this is not the best source of information. It never will be. How many times have either one of you been approached at one of these shows with negativity? And I'm not talking a, a constructive criticism comment. I'm talking like, in your face like they get on this keyboard muscle have you ever been uh, attacked zero, zero right zero, zero. That's, saying zero. that's saying something right there isn't it zero. yeah zero oh. everybody's stronger sitting at their desk or on their couch or wherever they're at in their bathroom way stronger than face to face with people i mean have you heard criticism before at a show about yeah. uh, a leaky waiter of course but the once you start questioning or doing stuff you you know by the time you're done through it, they're like, man, yeah, you're right. We got this and we'll solve the problem together or whatever it might be. And they're happy because we're, we're there about customer service. hundred percent. It's not, it's not negativity. It's an actual problem that a customer has that they talk to you about it and give you the opportunity to work through it and fix it. That's awesome. that, that happens in every show and it's as it should. That happens yeah. within every boardroom and every business in the history of the world, right? That's how you problem solve. But but not Larry. She asked that quick, but not one time have I been approached in a way that I felt literally almost every day looking at social media. Not one. Yeah. Neither one of you've said anything about my old school hat. Do you? Do you still love this baseball that. hat? I saw it. I saw still it. love that. Yeah. Um, That's our first flat bill. Yeah. Profit. It says banded across the back in red too. Um, I want to get back on where we touched on in the first episode of the banded hour. Waiters are a very intricate part of the hunt. They're, they're, they're not as important as your dog. Okay. With the relationship part, but they are as important as any piece of gear out there for the comfort of the hunt. Um, we talked about staying cutting edge and we talked about vision and we talked about strategy and forecasting and everything that's going on. You guys mentioned the arc welded crotches in the waders now today. I want to know the the idea of a zippered waiter. Is it mi- going to be mixed with an arch welded crotch that is for the ultimate protection and the ultimate toughness and the design of it? Explain to me this uh, the, this technology of an arch welded. Um, Waiter crotch, Christian Curtis and Eric Larsgaard, and then talk to me about zippered waiters. Is there is this going to be a fad of the future, or is this something that's here to stay with the ability and the innovation and technology today? Well, I'll answer the zipper part, and Eric can answer the more technical crotch part because that's what he does. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, the zipper, the only purpose of the zipper is helps you get in and out of them. It's easier to get in and out of them. Period. Yep. 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 I mean, that's just the. We we kicked around having a zipper right out of the gate on stuff, and we looked at it. <clears throat> Our biggest biggest factor that we did not come out the right away. It's not like someone, oh, let's put a zipper in the waiter. Oh, you're the greatest idea. No, there's been zippers and waiters prior to this, and fly fishing waiters, whatever it might be, right? 
we just decided that's one more one more facet that could go wrong. That's one more uh, piece of uh, of hardware that one could place to fail. Fail, correct? Yeah. So it it, it can fail. And you, you have two options of zippers, you know what I mean? Two could, oh, you have more than that, but you have two brands that I would rely with my company name on, um, T-Zip and YKK Zip, and they're expensive. And they they add a ton of dollars. Just the zipper alone is about $30 cost. Just our cost is a factory, right? It's a huge, huge price. And so um, 30 to $40, that's not even called an installed. So um, that's the reason why we didn't do it. it. As far as the welded crotch is concerned, and the spark on what Christian said, yes, the best part about the waiter or a zipper waiter is accessibility, whether you got to go to the restroom or you're getting in out of them, right? It's it's super handy for that. No one can take that away. Um, the welded crotch, um, obviously, we test all of our waiters. Um, we get them back from the customer, our fact, and we've, we've actually, we've invested a lot of money in our retailers to bring in test tanks, a very expensive test tanks for them to test waiters to see, you know, where... If a waiter comes in and it's faulty, um, where is it faulty and what's going on with it? <clears throat> and we get all that that data back every year and we analyze that data and we try to, obviously you're always trying to better products, right? We're trying to better our product every single year for the customer. Um, so welded crotch is just one of the problems that's, you know, just like you got a couple areas, you got your boot area, you got your crotch area. That's usually where you have leaks. It's been that way since day one with waiters, neoprene, you name it. So, um, just how technology advanced, we were able to weld our crotches in there. And it was just a smart move for us to help better the waiters all the way across the board. So yeah, your side seems to don't get as much pressure on them. We can still keep them stitched in certain models and taped and what, just like a normal waiter, but your crotch and all of our stuff is fully, fully welded, which just gives that added protection all the way around. In so. layman's terms or for the listener, please. And I know we touched on it a little bit in the first episode. What is arc welded and what, like I love the bag series, the gun cases. I love the backpack. Um, what is arc welded mean and how, how can the consumer be benefited from it in this crotch that you're talking about in a waiter? What can the customer expect? And, and, and you guys, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian Eric said that all waiters will come with an arc weld, arch weld, arc welded crotch now, correct? Correct. Correct. What, correct. It, what does that mean? Well, arc welded is a, is obviously a marketing term, right? Um, on that. It's not, there's different heat, heat press. There's different ways they call it welded. Um, we use it in our industry, just welded seams or no stitch seams, different things like that. Um, we use it as our company's arc welded as whether it be um, TPU arc welded melted pieces, just the seam is melted, no stitching. Um, whether it's from the waiter to the bag, we just use it as a generic uh, term in, in there for us. Um, just to explain the product, to help the customers understand a little bit more. On the welded on the welded piece for your waders, on that you have say a bemis tape, right? The bemis tape is a tape that goes on the outside. So you have two pieces of fabric that are going to layer together. Normally they they tuck, fold, and there's different styles of stitching that stitch, and then you tape the back side of it, right? You tape the back side. The tape back ta taping of the back side is your standard way of seam taping any waiter, jacket, whatever it may be. On tape the seam, it seals tape, it all. Tape the seam, so uh, it's basically all, because when you're stitching it, obviously you have stitch holes in there, right? So it's you're basically gluing that with heat, with glue, and which is tape, like a like a, an adhesive tape that's on the back of the of the seam tape, and it's ap applied by a roller and heat, the correct amount of heat. So it melts it and everything perfect on there to seal up those stitch holes, right? It's basically a patch, you could call it, a big, long seam patch. Um, 
the R with the welded and it, you know, everyone's a little different. You have on your edge of your fabric, I'm sorry, I don't have two pieces of paper here, but we'll use a blue and a yellow piece of paper here <clears throat> on it just for, for that. You have your two different, your two different fabrics, right? And just like on a post-it note here, this is a little post-it note, you have that glue side, right? You have that, that glue there. So that's gonna be your Bemis tape in there. And as you lay that on there, right? Now you're sealing, there's no stitching. Those two fabrics are connected. And then you're, see, then you're, then you're heating that with a roller and you're heating that and that bonds that. Um, so you're mechanically bonding that all together on there. And then for added security, added security, we come back over the top with the normal tape as well. So now you have that, that taping and this taping coming across there on it. Is, is the normal taping put on with the same, the same way, the same process? Yeah, basically the normal, well, they're both put on with rollers and both put on with heat, applied with heat, yeah. So, so is, the, is, yes. is the word welded come from the heat? Yes. There you so, go. It's, so it's tra heat transfer like you would be fabricating something yeah. to make something stronger, obviously, in a weld. That's where the word weld comes from is because heat yep. is being applied. Yeah, yeah, yep. and you can see that, and you grab a oh, any kind of weld. I call it a welded bag, like a TPU style bag, like a, a Yeti cooler or something along those lines. Everybody's used to a soft sided cooler. You can look at those, and that's just the same same deal. It's just a different process, different machine because you got different fabrics, and that's just applied with heat, and it's all welded. So and when, melted, when, melt, basically melted together. Right. When you reinforce this area where you're getting a lot of activity, is there is there any drawbacks that the customer? can expect with the performance, the, the, the stretch, the, you know, no. it, you guys know the terms better than I do, but when you're bending down or squatting down, like there's not going to be any hold back at all with this process. Well, that, no, that's, well, stretch. <laughs> that, that's the thing. The seams don't stretch. Right? No, no. So, sorry. so the fabric could have stretch in it, but the seams aren't going to stretch. And that's where sometimes you can run into problems. If people get um, ill-fitting waders or garments that's constantly putting stress on the seams, you can develop problems like that. That's a, we've we've learned a lot about the fit, how important the fit is. Correct. Um, Building in room with different gussets or whatnot inside there, but you you the stretch just eliminate that right away. Neoprene used to stretch, right? Everything stretched with neoprene, and that tape would help and would still hold and flex a bit. Thing about you know breathable waders is they don't stretch they're a new company in the market now trying to make a stretchable waiter but you know that's been done and tried a couple different times and that's not as of right now i have yet to see it successful out there so you'll have stretch jackets um like our feather stretch jackets it stretches everything's nice on that but you're not putting it you're not putting it underneath water where you have that constant pressure on it so any type of waiter type material um the seams a don't stretch right now for us um and 90% of the companies, they don't stretch at all on that breathable waiter fabric on there. So you got to, yeah, obviously, just like a pair of blue jeans, you got to watch. You don't want to ever put extra stress on those stitching. Because if you do pop stitching, you're going you're gonna to leak. But that's all about custom fit and making sure your, your waders fit correctly and, and getting them sized right. You don't want a waiter that fits like a pair of skinny jeans. You don't want that. You know what I mean? If you're a bigger guy, you want to have yourself a little bit extra room. Um, so you're not putting that stress on those things. When you, you're using your belt to hold your belt up, you hold your crotch up because if your crotch is hanging down, you can only move your leg, you know, X, X high, right? But if your crotch is pulled all the way up, now you can move your leg all the way up. You're just applying more pressure to the steam. So a lot of this stuff over the technology is that the customers also have to, they're learning how to take care and wear their waders appropriately and not 
not the old way of doing it. If you wear your right waiters right and take care of them right, you're it's pretty hard to it's pretty hard to tear them up unless you're going through a briar patch, you know. <clears throat> Okay, move up a tiny bit, Christian or Eric, um, whoever's more comfortable with this. But let's talk about the belt design and why you two came up with the 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 belts on the banded waiter portfolio and offering. Is it an important part, Christian? The belt part, um, the way that you guys have designed it, the exterior piece, the interior piece, the way that the belts loop through to hold up that part. To me, it's very important. But how have you guys, in your thought process, the belt comes undone, it slides out, it's difficult to get back in. Have you mastered that process yet in that part of the design of the waiter with the belt, in your opinion? Well, I think that, it, okay, let's answer it like this. Number one, it is ultra important because of j just what Eric just said, the belt itself is ultra important, the most important, because if you don't, like you said, you, your crotch hangs down, your, your, your belt holds your pants up, keeps your crotch from hanging down. If your crotch hangs down, I mean, anybody can do that. Pull your jeans down a little bit to where your crotch is hanging mid-thigh and try to walk and see all that stress on that crotch thing. So the belt is the most important part of the entire waiter. It holds the crotch up, right? So then the overpant, let's talk about that. The overpant just provides more protection, right? We used to, the, the overpant used to be integrated into mm -hmm. the into the waiter and again you learn you make products better we learned that we the some of the um some of the leaking if it if we had leaks or you like a lot of them were likely to be where that that uh pant connected right it was just an extra seam so we're like man we can get rid of that extra seam and just have an overpant okay so then we got rid of that seam made a world of difference so you got two things. Now you got the overpant, which is, um, you can take it off. You don't have to wear it. I just think it adds protection. I know it does. And the belt holds the crotch up. So there's the way that it fits, weaves through, which I think is really the root of your question. It is a little cumbersome. But I think the 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 bit of pain it causes dealing with that weaving if it falls through is well worth the benefits that it provides yeah and we've added again we've tried to obviously addressing let's say that problem that you kind of mentioned there and it's not a problem we just address it um the cumberness of the belt and buckling it and weaving it through or taking it out once you get that belt adjusted now we've added a stretch full stretch belt inside there right so it's just like putting on a pair of sweatpants for the most part you don't technically realistically unless you have huge bubble butt or something like that. But most guys that can pull a pair of sweatpants on or gym shorts on and has that scrunch, you leave that buckle belt belted all the time with that buckle, excuse me, buckle the entire time. And it'll just pull up and you'll, you, once you get it fitted one time for yourself and you're golden and you don't ever take it off and try to find it again or whatever, but it is crucial. It's very crucial to wear that belt, whether you're, whether you're wearing the pant on the outside or, or not, that added protection is just common sense. You know, you're going through a briar or thorns or anything like that, or we've all crossed barbed wire fences on the way to a hunt or whatever it may be up here in the north. You know, I'd much rather tear that out or see the outer pant that does is just added protection versus my, you know, my soul protection. Staying along the same lines of that, Eric or Christian, let's just move up the waiter a tiny bit. Um, I know there's important parts below the crotch. Uh, hey, hold on. Did, did he just say bubble butt? Yeah, he's making fun of me. My I bubble think. butt. Okay. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. What am I supposed to say on it? I just want to clarify that's what he actually that was a that was a, a good I, got, way I don't say. have a butt no more. That's one thing you do is you lose your butt. I don't got a butt anymore. You're working too hard. You got to do more squats, they say in the gymnasium. Move yeah. up to the suspenders real quick, Eric and Christian. Tell me the 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 most updated innovation on the suspenders. Why you designed the banded waiter suspender system the way it is, and 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 also discuss the buckling system. Why, why, why is it this way on the banded waders? Is there another way that you guys have thought about doing it? And do you feel that you have mastered that part of the waiter? Yeah. I mean, there's a million different ways to do suspenders and we've been experimenting on our bibs and different things along those lines and different buckles and hookups, stuff like that. Um, it's trying to keep stuff as simplified as, as, as possible. Right. Um, Obviously, with our uh, double layered heavy stretch material on on our webbing, um, that's that's crucial. We've upgraded that, integrated that. We have a single buckle um, on the wearer's left side. The majority, you know, we I guess we're anti left hand hunters a little bit, but on the left hand side, we got the one buckle. The right hand side, there's no buckle because the majority of guys are shooting on the right side just to keep that buckle out of your way. Or not only that, it's just an extra part that breaks. A guy steps on it while they're putting them on, whatever it may be. Um, so. A little bit easier. You only have to find one strap versus trying to reach around your back and find multiple straps on that. Um, I think we've mastered. I don't think there's any one that you look at and go, oh, my gosh, that's the best buckle system I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, we've tried on all of our competition. We've done everything. And um, there's no magic way for suspenders or uh, your your um, straps. Um, I think we just use good product and ours is ours is good. So, Christian, what he's telling me is that there's been some bias and prejudice against the left-handed shooter again. Is this done through market research and focus groups that there just aren't as many left-handed shooters, me being one of them? Yeah. Is there just I mean, not it, that it, many shot shooters? Is this his ploy to us change the buckle around? Is that what this is coming from? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's, it, I, I hope I'll that make Tom, you a pair of the opposite side. I hope that Benelli left. listens to this and say, hey. Let's make this new 28 gauge SB3 in left handed, or the, you know, they don't make anything in left handed except you a couple of guns. Much Rick would bitch at me right now if we said we need a left handed series waiters now out there. Oh, he does. Doing part numbers. Oh, my God. How did we get to it? We just, you, you know, that uh, 10% of the population is, is uh, left handed. And also, we talked to a couple of our, our friends from, like you just mentioned, the gun industry and found out percentages of left-handed guns sold, shotguns, and, and waterfowling uh, specific shotguns, and it's very, very low. And like you said, what what did you just say? They don't offer what? They don't what? offer a lot of the new guns, the, the SB328 gauge, the SB320 gauge, the yeah. Ethos, none of them are in left-handed. Yeah. Which they, they might be in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I very might few- offer a left-handed buckle in the future. Really? <laughs> like a Maybe custom won't be pair? Buckles on it. I would, I'd rather get away from buckles altogether on some of that stuff. Just me personally. What did you ever do when you shot? You always unhook that buckle and it's gone. So it's out of your way. Um, but hey, you got a, your left hand, you got a better chance of being a major league baseball pitcher. I mean, you got, you got some benefits and then you're going to have to have some heartache. Not right? when you're five, eight, <laughs> five, nine, maybe five. You, nine. Learn, to play, you learn to throw right hand and play second base. Yes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully still swing left-handed though. Hopefully still be able to swing. Pretty good playoff game so far, by the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with those yeah. two brothers going against each other. That's kind of cool deal. Yeah. Way cool. 
I can't believe the Padres just coming out of their shoes right now. But um, with the waiters, Christian, do you think that it is fair to say that Bandit offers something for everybody when it comes to waterfowl hunting? And in your response, please, by can these be crossover into anything else? Meaning fishing, fly fishing, crabbing, da-da-da-da-da, down the road. Do you think we offer something for everybody with our waiter program? Yeah, 100%. Um, I don't, for sure, in waterfowl, no doubt. Uh, I know some people that uh, wear our waders uh, walking to stands, deer hunting, when they have to, you know, in a wet situation. I know that we went to Alaska fishing this summer with a big group of us, and we all wore our waders. So, I mean, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. You agree, Eric? I agree. I, agree. I mean, I'm not a big fly fisherman. So I, I don't really know what they require, but I know that I wasn't uncomfortable in Alaska fishing for ten days. Okay, so what does that's a great ending to our waiter talk to transition into the next product? I have a question on on this episode of the Bandit Hour. What is a waterfowl hunter looking for in a waiter? You guys have done a ton of research. You've talked to a lot of customers at live events. You've talked to dealers and buyers. What is a waterfowl hunter looking for in a waiter? Three things. Okay, I just saw Eric say three things. Comfort, mobility, and warmth. Yeah, exactly. That That was was the three. I I was going to say in opposite, not opposite. I would say comfort number one, warmth number two, mobility number three. And I think Eric said comfort, mobility, and warmth. Yeah. Yeah, top three. Easy. So all of the additional, the hand warmer pockets, the cell phone case, the shell holders, one of the coolest thing you guys have done is the LED light. Has that been a success for you guys? Yeah. I use it on every hunt. Um, this is, will it be incorporated into bibs at all? And has this been a success of little apparatuses like this being added? Because you don't want to add too much. There's got to be a fine line, right, guys, that you can't add too much to this waiter. Well, I, nah, you know, it's funny that, you know, when we were when we did the light deal, I think we were in China. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, we were at our waiter factory. I think, and we were talking about put a freaking light in it. And we looked at each other like, "Holy crap!" And uh, but then you know, they're getting back to that social media. You know, you read these this bull crap. You know, who needs the light? I wear a hat. You know, the whole deal is like it's so frustrating. But then, you know, you've been out, uh, you go hunting with a bunch of people and you pull up in the dark, getting out of the truck and everybody, and you see all these lights on people there. Oh, it's, it's stupid, huh? Stupid idea. <laughs> all right. They're very. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Comfort, warmth, and mobility yeah, is sure. where we can end the conversation on waiters, that that's what we have. That's what Bandit offers. Eric made a comment, though about the the taking care of waiters the maintenance on them that you will be hard pressed to 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 destroy your waiters i agree with this statement but i also want to make sure that we come to a conclusion on the expectations of a waiter one more time before we absolutely move on to the next product are there expect are there expect what's that sorry you if that's what did you say you'd be hard pressed to destroy them I, what did you say, Eric? You said if you take care of your waiters, unless you walk through a briar patch, 
you can't ruin your waiters. What? What? I, I, you, I don't if remember. You're, exactly. If you're wearing, excuse me, I'll rear it. If you're wearing your waiters properly, if they're pulled up, pulled up properly, and not walking through, there's always riggers that you're going to go through and tear stuff and rig stuff that. But blowing out crotches and doing stuff like that on any kind of pair of wearers, if you're wearing stuff correctly. It, it's when I say it's hard press. It's 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 kind of hard to do. I mean, if you're wearing stuff pro- if you're wearing stuff properly, that does Christian. that clear that up a little bit? Christian, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. If you're wearing it, wearing it properly and taking care of it, so just real quick, the, I wanted we brought something up earlier, and I was thinking about about Eric said people are kind of learning um, as they go. You know, you how to take care of these things and how to. Um, it, it took me back. You remember when GHG first did decoys? You know, on the whole. <laughs> the whole paint situation, the paint, you know, it was this gigantic atomic bomb in the waterfowl industry that it took forever for GHG to, to get past was, you know, the first year they had paint problems, right? They were on the forefront of making decoys so much better than it ever been in history. Looked like actually looked like dust and, and, they uh, trying a new process, trying to get paint to stick to this thing, new plastic. And, and like everybody knows what happened, paint, a lot of paint issues, paint came off and, and they wore that black eye, man, years and years and years. And that, that happened. So the initial, yeah, it's deserved. It sucks that it happened, but, they advanced every year better and better and better and better and, and started bring, bringing the other companies with them to keep up. But they, it's like they never got, nobody ever acknowledged that. They just acknowledged that GHC paint doesn't stay on. This is 10 years later where you couldn't beat it off with a sledgehammer, right? You still... Yeah, on, on Facebook at that time or MySpace or whatever it was. bringing a looking decoy at a better price to the consumer. But but what what yeah. happened was you did have to take care of them differently than you did their predecessors. Their predecessors, where you could just throw them in a trailer. So but but what came along was slotted decoy bags. People figured out that your decoys can look amazing because this new technology, everything looks amazing, but you got to take care of it a little bit different than you did before. And and now everybody uses slide decoy bags and don't think anything about it. And I think that's kind of the evolution, uh, kind of the path we're going down with waders. You know, the three things that, that hunters look for that waterproof, breathable, insulated waders are waders give them is comfort, warmth, and mobility or dexterity, right? What three things did neoprene waders not provide? Comfort, warmth, mobility. So we solved those three problems, but you you have to take care of them a little differently. And I think that's what Eric was alluding to. People are learning that and it gets better and better and better and better as we go forward. I think it's a great, 
I mean, it's not. I don't, ge- now he makes I, I don't, I don't throw around yeah, the word genius, but I think the statement you just made is very, very insightful and intelligent because Greenhead Gear did innovate through mistakes, through failure. Like they failed, they got a black eye, and look where the decoy market is less than 20 years later. I think that was like 2002 when you're referring to 01, maybe when the hot buys came out. But they single handedly changed the market. And, it's, and where, so, it's where it is today because, because of that. And I just think it was so unfair that Greenhead Gear wore that paint issue black eye as long as they did without somebody just saying, hey, yeah, they screwed up, but they brought, they look where we are today because of, of that. Yeah. It's such a great point because then you <clears> can just, there's a lot of people that have done this in the industry. If you read the Phil Knight story and the first shoes blowing out, but look, what he did, not just to the shoe game, but to every other manufacturer had to up their game, which is a point that you just made, Christian, making it better for the marketplace and the hunting community as a whole. Bandit has worn that black eye, in my opinion. Is this fair to say that you you had to get off social media because you would read some reports, but some of the reports throughout the years have been, what are they thinking with this waiter? Bandit, this sucks, right? Well, look what Bandit has done to the waterfowl community through that process of risking failure and risking a black eye and wearing it on the chin and then continue to innovate. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's, that's the analogy I was, I was attempting to make. Yeah, it's perfect. It's it, perfect. It, I've never thought, I never even crossed my mind about GHG and what they did and that they stepped up and took it on a chin to make waterfowl hunting better. Well, I mean, go back to our conversation the other day. Uh, um, the last one talking about how I believe Chad, you asked us, do we get upset about our competition knockoff, whatever you want to call it, right? Coming in and taking your innovation and going with it. Well, look how many years it took for any waterfall company to come out with another decoy to compete after GHG that looked like a decoy to produce them where they were being produced at to try to even run with them. It was years. So they took that black eye and wore that for quite a few years. Same with us on Bandit. I, I look at, we had three or four years there, we didn't have, no one was going to get in this game. They're like, oh, we're not, no, no, no. So we took the abuse up front big time. Now, once, once you got that technology so far, just like once you got all so far, well, it's a lot easier for those guys. They can bypass all that, that, that rough time. They get to bypass all those headaches and jump right into here. And use it against you in a way to where it's like, Uh Oh, well, yeah. we all know what those what the, what those guys have been through, but hey, our waiter is this, 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 and this now. Well, you didn't take okay. Well, we ain't going to get into that. I'm not going to throw yeah, darts right now. Fault. No, it's okay, but it's a perfect point, Lars Guard, that you guys have been in the trenches per se. And I'm not saying this is military. Please don't take it that way, listeners. I'm <laughs> saying they've been in the trenches, wearing it on the chin through hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles in the air hundreds and thousands of hours in the design room in the factories to get to this point, to have another company come in and go, Hey, by the way, we don't have any of those problems that they adhered for the first three to four or five years of this process. Well, no, you don't. That's the way I'm looking at is like, of course you don't. Yeah. Duh. If you did, you got a serious problem. Yeah. (laughs) We've already handled at least just say, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, please just be nice about it. Just say thank just you. Just be nice. Just say nah, thank you. you. Buy for I really like that. I really working. like that, Christian and Eric, where you just took the audience. I really like that analogy because I was young, both in years and in my hunting experience. I mean, I didn't start hunting ducks till I was 27. So 
at that time you're talking about, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and being part of Avery. And I remember being in Modesto. Remember Auto Life? You remember the Lucas family, Eric Larsgaard? I remember Tom, Tom calling Fred, and I remember the conversation vividly. I could repeat it verbatim right now about greenhead gear and where it was going and 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 all the stuff and the new widget coming out and all the stuff and we were at the forefront of that we got to witness it and we got to see the stress the anxiety the hardship that you have to go through to innovate a marketplace and mm-hmm. that's exactly what bandit's done i think that's a great way to end this i do want to go into on our next episode i you guys are we'll have to talk offline because i'm really excited about the technology part i love to learn about what you guys do because i think the audience needs to have an understanding of the commitment that goes in to bringing something to market when you go into your local dealer and put your hands on that product way before the cash register rings i'm talking about the dressing rooms the feel the touches all of that I want to go in. I want to get into all the products. I'll talk with you guys offline. I really wanted to get into the jackets that you guys a little bit touched on today. And some of, uh, in some of, you know, you mentioned the word jacket today. Unbelievable selection of jackets. I want to get into jackets on the next episode if you guys want to, because yeah. I feel it's an important part to understand. Not, not that this jacket is so much better because it's priced here, but why are there so mm-hmm. many different options? Why are there so many different cuts and lengths and waiter jackets and this jacket and pullovers and zippers and all of this stuff? This can become very intimidating in the buying process. And I think that education is key. So does that sound fair? Yeah, that's good. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. I do want to make one statement in regard to the question you asked that we we never really followed followed through. And it was something along the lines, do you feel that you've mastered, would you say, the straps? Is that what you're talking about? The suspenders and the buckles, yes. For today. And what I mean by that is in this game, crap changes so much with technology, fabrics, materials. It, it's it's never mastered. Never. Never mastered. No. No. I mean we today we have we got the best materials, we got the best uh buckle design, we got it for today. Next year, there might be some some new um, uh, strap material. Maybe some new uh, crazy buckle design. Who knows? Usually, I would like, usually I would end a conversation like by this of a guest of saying, "Well, you could find Christian Curtis on Instagram at," <laughs> but that is not happening. Not <laughs> that is not happening. You could probably find Eric, but he's low key on his no, social no, media, no, like no, you no, said. But you no. can, you can find at Banded Brands, and you could find at Avery GHG. Um, I think it's a great conversation to have about what Christian and Eric just came out of the woodworks with the last fifteen minutes of that talk. Think about that. Just think about that the next time you're in the purchase and you're in the market. You're in the purchase phase and you're in the market for something new for your waterfowl game. And not to mention, we're going to get into it later in the spring, closer to the spring, about the turkey products these guys have designed. And there's some big news coming out with another species. Just think about that the next time you see your keyboard, you see an opportunity to cut somebody down or leverage yourself against them without knowing the true story, without walking in their shoes. Nobody ever wants to have their emotions messed with or their feelings hurt, which happens all the time. My daughter's 11. I've had to have a lot of talks, not a lot, a few talks about her athletic career and that she will be hurt and that it happens. 
And then we talk to guys that are in midlife that are in their 40s that still feel that. And it's not a pity party. It's the, it's the emotion. It's the human spirit. It's our psyche. It doesn't do anybody any good when you just heard both of these individual men say that it was a risk. They knew it was. It wasn't like they both had $50 million in the bank and this was a joke to go over overseas eight to 10 times a year to design this product line that has become known around the waterfowl world as Banded. You, you can't deny what Bandit has done. You can't deny what Christian alluded to with Greenhead gear back in the early 2000s. You cannot deny it. So think about that, of at least learning and educating yourself in the marketplace of what's really going on. You can call them OG, even though they're still young, but they have mastered so many different products. And Christian will say there's no such thing as mastering. But I have lived out my dreams in the waterfowl world because of the technology and because of the designs that Eric Larsgaard and Christian Curtis have, in my opinion, mastered. So please think about that when you're in the marketplace. And again, I don't want this to come across as, oh, we don't admit that there was issues and that there was hardships and speed bumps. Heck yeah, there were. But you know what? That's what life's all about. And here we are. 11 years later, since 2011, 2011, here Bandit is, and I truly feel in my heart that they are the leaders. I don't, I'm not saying there's not a close second, but it, I, I would argue that. I think Bandit has done it. Christian's done it. Eric's done it. They continue to do it. And they mentioned the team. There's a huge team that you'll meet right here at the Bandit Era podcast, part of the Foul Life series. We're going to be bringing it to you weekly throughout the entire year. I'm fired up. Gentlemen, thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Talk next week. We will have another episode coming at you next week where we are going to go into jackets. I will talk to Christian and Eric offline about how we just want to structure it. We don't want any confusion in the marketplace. I tend to go too fast sometimes. I don't want to jump the gun, so I might have said something today that might not happen on the next episode. I apologize first and foremost for that in anticipation that it might happen, but maybe Christian and Eric will want to talk jackets. Until then, I'm Chad for Christian Kurz, Eric Larsgaard. This has been another Bandit Hour. We appreciate you. This is 2 a.m. Logic. Check out the song.